Who's the person you turn to when you need advice? The person who gives you confidence and strength? The person who's been your biggest support? The person you shop with, ask their opinion and trust them implicitly? For me, it's... Hi, Ma. Hi, Del. As a mother and daughter, we know we have a close bond, but each mother and daughter relationship is unique and different, and that's exactly what we want to explore. Each week, we'll sit down with mothers and daughters and talk about their bond, from the ones who work together to others who have survived, shared passions, overcome loss, and in general, have a great relationship that is worth sharing. This is Mothers Mothers and Daughters Daughters Podcast. Podcast. Hama? Hi, Del. How are you? I'm better now. Yeah. Bit of freedom. Yeah, out of ISO? Out of isolation. Yeah. Into the fresh air. And that's about it. (laughs) Well, yeah, because you're a good online shopper, so you don't even have to go to the shops. Just getting my coffees. That's essential for me. Uh, Yeah, whereas I'm kind of like that generation where you like to feel your food. You know, yeah, not plan things well in advance or look online. So I just try and put my mask on and get Get in in and get get out. out. Yeah, as, you know. Best you can. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Under these circumstances. But we're all doing well because we've all been well. Yes. So I guess Which is we, good. you know, can't complain no, about no our situation compared to others yeah. who, you know, have haven't, you know, been able to cope as well as we have. Yeah. You know, whether it's mentally or also physically yeah. as well. Exactly. And so we hope that everyone recovers quickly and we're out of lockdown, next week's going to be interesting homeschooling. Mm. We'll report back on that one. Yes. That'll be a first. Yikes. Yeah, challenge. Well, you didn't have to cope with it last year. No. Because the boys were able to go to daycare. Yeah. I did see a funny meme. It was in 20 years' time, do we realise that they will be schooled by day drinkers? <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Which is so very true. And a, f- a friend did reach out who's a teacher and said, I don't know if I should take offence. I said, no, that's not about you. That's about the parents yes, exactly. that are about to yes, teach the, their kids. I was going to say, not, not that it's not the teachers. Anyway, hopefully it's not going to be t- for too long. No, hopefully it's just four days and the kids will be back at school and we'll be sitting next to each other again. Mm, that would be, be lovely. Nice. Yes, rather than remotely. Yes. On to Today's episode, we were very lucky to speak to Erin and Wendy about their brave battle with Luella and her West syndrome. It's a a form of infant um, spasms. spasms. Yeah, it's sort it's sort of like epilepsy, but it's not. Not yes, yeah, Um, and unfortunately. Luella, who is almost two, was diagnosed very early on. It was about 11 weeks. And Erin's been very open and honest about how she's coping with it and unfortunately not really getting a lot of support outside of her research. Her research, well, yeah. yeah she's, she's doing it all on her own. Yeah, she's just quite an amazing young woman yeah. because – you know, she just thought that, you know, she'd get the support medically and obviously there would be a lot mm. of maybe support groups and she's just, yes, forged and this pretty workers, much yeah. on her own. Yeah. 
to the point where, you know, she's the one that people now almost go to yeah, to find help. out about the rare disease yeah, that she's got. Yeah, and also what got. treatments there are. Unfortunately, not a lot has worked for Luella in terms of medication. medication yeah. uh, so she does have an understanding of what medication is out there and that's really so helpful to a lot of parents who would be just desperate to get some answers and um, Erin's providing them for her or for the parents, I should say. Yeah, from because it is such a rare disease or rare um, condition, condition yeah. that uh, not a lot of children obviously have it in Australia and mm. she's a support group for Around you know, the world. families from yes, around you know, in other countries, and um, and sort of that's her best network for finding out, yeah, about treatments and obviously just you know, all these families supporting each other. Mind you, she has the most wonderful mother in Wendy, oh, it's um, it's their bond is just incredible, and whenever you can see, whenever Erin needs the support, Wendy's there to give it to her mm. and it's whether it's taking Luella for an afternoon or a night which or just coming over coming to over, sort of doing help around shopping. house chores, yeah. yeah, shopping. Fortunately, they live so close to each other that um that at least that's wonderful for, you know, as you say for the oh, support of each other. Yeah. And yeah, they yeah, just beautiful mother and daughter, you know, having to forge through, you know, their beautiful, you know, daughter and granddaughter's condition. Yeah. And if you don't already follow Erin on social, it's little.lulu.love and Luella just has the best smile. She is just, you can see, just so happy and it's so, it's so rare to see you know, a mum who just is so open and honest about what's happening. And Erin did this Instagram page because she wanted to get the message out there and she's got a lot of support because of it. And I think a lot of other mums and dads are really grateful to her for sharing that story because otherwise they wouldn't maybe have it diagnosed as quickly. Erin's um, been doing a lot of diagnoses on other other on um, other kids mm. yeah via she's amazing just, she's just some amazing. symptoms so it is really amazing what she's managed to do and given how much intensive physiotherapy and occupational therapy Luella has to do Erin spends a lot of time on Instagram on top of that sharing Luella's progress and also helping other parents so yeah. we're very, very grateful for her time. For her time. Yeah. And speaking of her time, we did chat for quite some time. So this will be another two-part episode and part one will be today and part two will follow on next week. So if you want to reach out to Erin, please do so. She's very, very approachable. If you think that there's something you might be able to help her with or that you want help with your child, please reach out to her. She's just so accommodating. And stay safe, everybody, and we'll be seeing you very soon. Exactly. Yeah. See you soon, Ma. See you. Thank you both 
for joining us and um, really appreciate it given isolation and everything that's going on. So thank you very much. And I know that your time is very precious. So can you just tell us a little about yourselves? Sure. Um, I'll start. My name is Erin. I am 37 this year. I am the mother to little Luella. Uh, She is 21 months now, uh, so she'll be two in September. Um, We live in the southern eastern suburbs of Sydney um, and this is my mum. I am Wendy. Let you introduce yourself. (laughs) I'm Wendy. Hi, I'm Erin's mum, obviously. Um, we uh, we live relatively close. Very close. <laughs> that's <laughs> good. Walk around the corner. Oh, that's oh. very handy. Very handy. Uh, very handy. Yeah, it's great. What was that always the case, or did you move? No, always the case. No, no, it hasn't always been the case. Um, Dave and I, my husband, um, we got married in 2018, sorry, and uh, we were living in Melbourne at the time and then we fell pregnant with Luella and we moved back to Sydney and um, a rental just became available around the corner from mum and dad, so I wanted to be really close to mum, you know, first baby and just making sure that, you know, I had my... Support yes. close. Yes. I was going to say they're definitely a good move. That's a good oh, move. Oh, yeah. It's been a godsend, really. Yes. Yeah, so it's good having Erin and the baby and Dave really close. You know, having to travel distances to try and help Erin at short notice and on need. And if we had to travel, I mean, it yeah, it'd, be be, tough. it'd be really tough. Well, especially mm. with well, la- last year, you know, I mean, not that you would, no one would have predicted what ha- was going to happen, but especially with border restrictions and even just being in your own suburb. It's really handy. Yeah, if we had been in a whole other state, let alone a different suburb, it would have been, um, yeah, a million times worse. Mm. Mm. Definitely. (laughs) Erin, can I ask you, how did you feel when you found out you were pregnant? Um, I was really excited. Yeah, I was genuinely so excited. Um, You know, Dave and I met... um, a little bit differently than, I guess, a bit more of the modern way through Tinder, actually. Oh, that's um, nice. It's always and good to hear when when Tinder dates or online dating works. I love hearing yeah. those stories. Um, we just both wanted the same things. We were both ready. Um, Dave's a couple of years older than me, so we were just both on the same page. And then we were married and pregnant within, I think, two years. So it, it did happen quite quickly, but... Um, we were just both ready and, yeah, really excited. When you know, you know. Yeah, exactly. And how did you feel, obviously, throughout your pregnancy and then when you – did you find out you were having a girl or you took it yeah, as a surprise? Yeah, we did a gender reveal um, the same weekend as Dave's birthday in May, actually, and we, we came up to Sydney because we were still living in Melbourne at the time, so invited all friends and family around. Um, and, yeah, we popped a balloon and all the pink confetti came out. We're still finding traces of that. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it still materialises everywhere. Um, How is that funny? Yeah. And yeah. so, um, yeah, we, we, we found out. And how did you feel when you gave birth to Luella? When I gave birth, to be honest, I felt like it was an out-of-body experience and not in a good way. Um 
I actually, looking back now, you know, first baby, not really knowing what I was doing, um, I think I actually went, well, my, my waters broke on the Friday, but she wasn't born until the Monday. Um, so we did go to the hospital on the Saturday and they actually sent me home. And, um, you know, labour kind of progressed from the Saturday. Um, but after she was, I mean, I pushed for two and a half hours, you know, labour kind of pretty much started late Friday, early Saturday and just got worse, you know, more and more and more. Yeah. Um, we didn't head to the hospital till about 1 a.m. on the Monday morning and she was born at about 3.30 in the afternoon um, after an epidural and um, vacuum delivery. Wow. And I just felt like I had just Oh, what a ma- that's a ma- yeah, well, that's a marathon. I mean, yes, it's more than a marathon. A, I mean, it's more than you know yeah. if you actually did a marathon, but it's a real marathon if you've been in labour for that long, and then on top of that, time. have you know have it even sort of extended even more so. So yeah. no wonder you felt like you had you were would have been exhausted. I was exhausted. I could barely stand up by the end of it, and I had hoped to. Um, I wanted to be in a different position. You know, my body was telling me to kind of be on all fours or on my knees, but I couldn't support myself. I was so exhausted. I couldn't even lean up on anything. Mm. So I was, you know, on my back and, yeah, it's a very strange position to be into birth, I think. Um, yeah, it's it's not something that I would do again <laughs> in that position. And Wendy, uh, I mean, I'm not quite sure if uh, I should know that whether you have other grandchildren or is this was Luella your first grandchild? No, my son's got three little boys, but right. Luella was our first little granddaughter. Oh, that's yeah. lovely. That's yeah. must have been so lovely. Obviously, oh, after right. having all the boys, everything pink came out. It oh. was very exciting. oh, that's <laughs> so that's so lovely. Yeah. How did you feel when? you realised you were going to have a girl, a girl joining the family? Me? Erin or Both, both, both. I think we were just both excited because, you know, we'd had three little boys and, you know, I had been kind of here, there and everywhere geographically. So, you know, mum had spent a lot of time with the boys um, and it was nice to finally have a little girl coming Mm. into the family. Yes, and the boys moved to Newcastle, um, about a year and a half ago and with their parents, obviously. And um, so it was nice to to have one still on one. one. Yes, yes, yes. We yes. have regular contact with. That's hard, hard when they move away, obviously, from you. It's And yeah, under these kind of COVID yeah. restrictions, obviously, sort of catching up with the boys, obviously, must be a bit hard. Every yeah. time something is planned, yeah. something yeah. or other interrupts the process. Um, but, you know, I think we're, we're a little bit conditioned to it, but not exactly comfortably with it, but still you just go, oh, my God, one more thing. Yes. Just to interrupt and add to everything else we're going through. So, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Lo- lots of things. But, you know, you just you just. I know, yeah. yeah. Roll with the punches. I mean, yeah. what, what choice? Yeah. And it's really hard. You yeah. can't. You, even though you cope, you don't cope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. the wave, I guess. Yeah. And that's yeah. the only way you can get through, you know, things like this that are really out of your control, even though for most of us mm-hmm. I think we're all – I mean, I know mum and I are very much control freaks. Um, so, same. <laughs> as I say, I haven't, haven't, haven't met too few that aren't. So, you know, but I think that's the one thing you have to kind of do 
is roll with it because it is out of your control at the end of the day, but it doesn't make it any easier at all. But at least, you know, you've got around the corner contact with Noelle. That makes a big difference. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. And obviously for you, Erin, when did you realise that something wasn't 100% right with Luella? I probably noticed it at about maybe seven and a half, eight weeks of age. Um, she just started doing this very, very small uh, kind of jerking motion where she would kind of come forward like a crunch almost, yeah. but it was so fast and so fleeting um, that I – you know, I had no idea what I was doing. I was struggling with a bit of postnatal depression as well. So I didn't, I knew it wasn't right, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And because I was already um, struggling with postnatal, I I thought I was probably just overreacting and yeah. put it down to some other involuntary baby movement that babies at that age can make. Um, but something deep down was telling me it wasn't quite right. Um, but you also didn't want to be like you were, I mean, overreacting unnecessarily. Yeah. And you obviously didn't have a reference point, you know, every child's different. Absolutely. And I guess. And despite a lot of my friends having children, because I'd lived in another state and, you know, I wouldn't say that my exposure to young newborn babies for long periods of time um, was frequent. So. Um, yeah, I really felt out of my depth, to be honest, um, with a newborn. And But, yeah, I knew something wasn't right. And then um, the way I actually knew something was properly, well, I knew something was wrong. I saw her have a seizure, but not the type of seizure you would imagine where she was convulsing, but she just looked completely absent. She wasn't blinking. She was staring mm. off. And um, she was quite, sti- but still quite rigid. Mm. Um, and I vividly remember ringing mum, and I said, "You know, gosh, like, what would a baby um, seizure look like?" And just like everyone else thinks, you know, you convulse when you of seize. Course, and, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that's what you. I mean, then that's what you automatically think of when you you say seizure. And it's Absolutely. amazing that you thought of that at the time because most people would. I, I mean, I, if I saw that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think of a seizure straight away. The only reasons that I I knew was because my mum's mum had absent seizures. Um, so my grandmother, oh. uh, the doctors say they are not related. Oh. Um, too many, there's too many generations past now, like and then there are too many grandchildren, too many children on my mum's side for it to be a genetic link. Mm. Um, but years ago I lived in London and, um, someone I was dating at the time also ended up being diagnosed with absent seizures and she just looked like both of them. It was just the strangest thing. It's like epilepsy has been following me around my whole life. It's so weird. That is. And Erin did ask me to come and come, she said, come around. I need you to look at Luella. I think she's having a seizure. Mm. So I went around and look, honestly, at the time, I did not see it. But, you know, the, the doctors kept saying, oh, it looked like a moro. Moro reflex. Moro reflex. That was later. But at the time that I observed what Erin perceived to be, I I didn't see it. But Erin did tell me that 
what I was witnessing was not as severe as what she yes. had already witnessed. Yeah. So mm. I had nothing to compare it with no. as such. Mm. No. Um, so for me, I I just had to try and placate her and said, look, yeah. I can't see anything, but if you're worried, okay. we need to take it further. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And we, at the time, I thought, oh, again, like you think to yourself you're overreacting. Mm. Surely it's not what you think it is. You you doubt yourself and especially as a first-time mum, you, you don't want to come across like this neurotic kind of oh, I don't know, thinking the worst of everything. Um, but then it happened again, so we went up to emergency. And I guess it was, I don't want to say good thing, but maybe silver lining that you'd seen it before because for most other mums who ha- wouldn't have seen that, they wouldn't no. necessarily pick that up. And you might, if it's your first, you might also look at it and go, mm, that was odd, but if, yep. it's, if it's fleeting, you wouldn't think twice about it again. Absolutely. And so maybe in, in a way, as, as awful as it is that you say, you know, epilepsy was following you, but for Luella it was probably a blessing that you knew exactly or semi what to do. Yeah, it was very strange. I mean, the little crunches that we saw initially, you know, you, I did definitely kind of um, disregard them to a degree. Um, because, yeah, I wasn't sure what I was seeing. I've never seen this before. Um, epilepsy, despite it following me around, it's not something that I knew a lot about even. Um, epilepsy has a very, uh, very, very vast umbrella. Um, and Luella's specific diagnosis is called infantile spasms, um, also known as West syndrome. So it only occurs in infants. Uh, and roughly around 2,500 to 3,000 children globally, roughly, uh, are diagnosed. So it's extremely rare. Mm, that's amazing. Gosh. So what did they say when you first went to emergency with her? By the time we got to emergency, um, she'd actually gotten worse and she was actually doing the, the little crunch move I had seen. She was going into um, – they call it jackknifing where, you know, the torso almost bends in half. So she was really coming forward and, and holding and then coming out and then going again and then coming out. So she had progressed um, a lot worse by the time we got there. Um, a neurologist was called, you know, within minutes. Um, well, it felt like minutes, but maybe yeah. it was a bit longer. But, yeah, he was probably there within five, ten minutes and um, really just observed He really and um it wasn't long until we were escorted up to the neurology ward um, at uh, the Sydney Children's Hospital at Randwick. And yeah, by the time Aaron, by the time my husband and I got to to uh, the ward and saw the baby convulsing in the ward, uh, we were just shocked, probably so like, shocked yeah. and anxious, and it was just continuous. It was it was really frightening and very distressing yes yeah it would be so heartbreaking especially you know it's one thing when you know it's still awful when they're little kids but if you know you're able to kind of explain to them and and they can communicate back but when they're so little it it, it's just they're so helpless and that would just be awful to have to see it was about 11 weeks of age um at this time so you know i was just kind of coming out of that 
six-week period where you're really in the trenches and it feels really tough as a, a first or any mum really. And then I was just coming out of that and starting to feel like I had got a little bit more of a handle on things mm. and, um, and yeah, literally the world, our world, my world just got turned upside down. How, how long did it take for you to then get a full diagnosis? Oh, almost instantly. Really? They knew straight away yeah. it was she was just classic signs of infantile spasms. So it's that jackknife thing I mentioned mm, where mm. the torso comes towards the, like a, like a crunch, like a sit up. Mm. Um, she was also displaying things where she, you know, she, she kind of extends like this. Um, there was some eye deviation, um, all real classic telltale signs of infantile spasms. So right. she was kind of ticking all the boxes for them to be able to diagnose her with it. <laughs> Wendy, that must have been so tough to watch Erin obviously, and Luella go through it. Uh, I don't know how. I mean, you obviously are a tower of strength for Erin, thank goodness. Definitely. Yeah. You just feel utterly helpless, helpless for this little baby that's only 11 weeks old. Mm. Talking with the doctors about something I have never heard of, infantile spasms, that is, Mm. Um, and watching Erin and Dave go through this horrendous time and, Luella having to be drugged to the eyeballs mm. and, yeah, it was horrible. Mm. horrible. And Erin, for you, obviously having postnatal depression, how how did all of that compact with you? Because I can't even imagine, you know, it's hard enough if your baby is healthy, ticking all the boxes, you know, dealing with postnatal depression when, you don't have an added stress of emergency rooms worried what's happening. How yeah. how did you how did you manage that at the time? Um, I don't think I did, and I I, I probably still don't. Um, find it very hard to cope. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not very oh. resilient with it. I'm sorry. No, oh, sorry. Please don't. Oh, sorry. I was going to say I think you I think you I mean really from what I see on Instagram you. You know, I know Instagram is is a is a filter on life, but yeah, yeah. People saw me behind the scenes. I mean, I'm I cry almost every day. Um, Which is you know, it's it, and even without postnatal depression, I think as a as a mum, you would because you never want to see your kids go through hardships, no matter what, you know. And I and I think. It is a real testament to who you are to show up and show up for other mums and Luella because a lot of people wouldn't. A lot of people would shy away, you know, even small things that kids have like, you know, allergies or whatever. People are very shy about it and I think the yeah, more very people brave. talk about, you know, what's going on, the, the more people feel normal in their own day lives and how they react because, you you know, the fact that you're honest and you say, you know, you have a bad day makes other parents be like, well, okay, I, I you know, I've had a bad day with this and it's so, and it's so normal yeah. um, to be that way. So I, I think, you know, you really are, despite you might not think you're getting through it, but I really, I, I, I think well, you're very strong. Well, I have my mom to that because she's always been a very, tenacious and very strong woman she's taught me to have a very strong backbone and you know sometimes it hasn't served me but now it 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 really is because I've 
I've had to to be able to look after Luella. I've had to be this woman. I've had mm. to be this this person who really advocates very very hard um, to try and ensure that I'm giving Luella the best outcomes and opportunities and everything that medically, um, holistically, all of those things to ensure that I'm doing the best thing I can for her. Um, so I actually have my mum to thank for that because mm. I wouldn't be the mum I am today without her. Oh, that's so lovely. That's lovely. To Erin's, you know, to Testament Erin, I mean, she's done research, 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 questioned, demanded, thumped i think yeah, as a mom as a mom you've i mean i think as a mom you know you've really got to you've got to demand especially when there's something that you feel isn't right or that you your child's not getting the care that they need you yeah. do you need to be that advocate because you listen to is one of the worst things that has not happened these moms not just erin mm. but other moms mm. yeah they're not listened to yeah. and they're not taken seriously seriously, yeah. and their concerns are dismissed. Oh, don't worry about that. That's just the moral movement. Mm. Or don't worry about that. No, that's not what I'm seeing. How many times do we hear that? Mm. Yeah, and, you know, there's something to be said for mother's intuition. Yes, yes. You know, yeah. and yeah. I don't think yeah. it can be dismissed yeah. because, you know, you as much as you only meet your child, you meet your child when they're in utero. You've you've known them for a, a very long time by the time you physically get to see them. And I think there is a lot to be said for mother's intuition. And I think in the medical field, I wish they would listen to mums a bit more because you just know in your gut when something's not right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I talk to mothers every day about, you know, the experiences they've had, whether it's um, infantile spasms or other medical issues, and they might have medically complex children. And, you know, the one thing that, or a couple of things really that are constant is that, you know, they they feel like there is something not right, but they're often not listened to. Mm. Um, and they often, yeah, kind of just go with the mainstream and they don't, they just don't follow that intuition, mm. and uh, I, I wish I wish they would do more of that. And that's one of the biggest things I tell them. I say, "Well, what does your gut say?" Mm. And um, yeah, I just encourage them to listen to that and pursue that because it's there for a reason. Yeah, oh, hundred yeah, percent. Um, it, it may not always be right, but I want to say, you know, a good 95 to 99% of the time it is. Yes. Well, even if it's wrong, at least you've pursued it and, and you've been heard. I think that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day because you are their main carer at the end of the day and you have to you have to be comfortable to know that you've been heard and it's been looked into. Whether or not it ends up, as you say, being right or not isn't the point. It's that you heard absolutely yeah definitely help help these mums with an answer mm. to the best of their knowledge without them being flipped aside before they even try and investigate to the mum to the mum's benefit yeah of what they're worried about what they're concerned about yeah yeah, yeah. Definitely don't don't be dismissed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Erin's first neurologist stopped me in the corridor one day and just said, what can I do to help Erin? I said, Listen. number one, look after Luella. Mm. She's the patient, but listen to my yeah. daughter. Yeah. Just please listen to her. Because mm. you're really, you're Luella's voice. She doesn't, yeah, yeah. you know, until until she has her own voice, you're her voice. And if you really felt like something was wrong, it's a shame to hear that you weren't being heard. Yeah, it, it's been a very frustrating process yeah. uh, for us to say to say the least. And are there any other mums in Australia that you've been able to be in contact with? I mean, it would have probably taken a while to kind of realise what was happening but are you in contact with other mums to kind of share concerns or treatments and things like that Um, you know sadly almost every day um mothers contact me actually from all over the world um i'm talking with a mum at the moment in the uk and she said to me if i hadn't have found your page I wouldn't have had my daughter diagnosed and I wouldn't have been able to get the medical attention that she needed so urgently. Wow. Um, so, you know, she said I, she she went to Dr. Google like everybody seems to. I mean, I, I certainly did. Um, and she didn't really find much information there on infantile spasms. Um, so she started searching the hashtag on Instagram and she found Luella's page and um, she was able to identify the same type of movement, movements in her child and... Um, since has since you know tragically received the same diagnosis uh, but I was able to talk to her you know just about different treatments the things that worked and didn't work for mm. us uh, every child is different so I always tell them that that you know I can only speak on my experience with Luella um, and children you know the, the, the brain is like a fingerprint no two are the same yeah. uh, and you know, they can try a whole bunch of different things and they, they probably, you know, they need medical assistance and they need to listen to their doctors. Um, but I also remind them that if they feel something is not right or there is a, they're seeing more of a negative um, response to certain medications, they need to speak up. So, yeah, I, I talked to too many mums actually mm. about infantile spasms. It's far more common than I, even though it's rare, it's actually far more common than I realised. Um, there's a lot of children out there diagnosed with it and it is just such, it's a sign, you know, epilepsy is called the silent disability mm. because you can't see it really. I mean, unless someone has, has a, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you wouldn't know necessarily that um, someone walking down the street had epilepsy. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very scary, very brutal um, disability, one that I naively thought, you know, you just take a medication and you'd be okay. I, I just didn't realise how um, decimating it is. Um, and uncontrolled epilepsy, especially like Luella, um, it just attacks the brain ongoing um, and without relief, um, you know, she will continue to, like, so her epilepsy is uncontrolled, um, the, none of the medications work. Mm. Um and uh, the more the seizures occur, the more brain damage. Seizures cause brain damage mm, and people yeah. don't realize that. Mm. Um, so without controlling the seizures, her brain cannot develop, it can co- cannot grow. Uh, the pathways in her brain do not send the right messages to her body, so therefore she doesn't know how to use her body. 
you know, she's almost too, um, she cannot crawl, she cannot walk, uh, she cannot, you know, pull to stand, uh, she's nonverbal, um, you know, her cognitive function is and abilities are, are pretty low. Um, she's hypertonic, meaning she's um, low tone, so it's like carrying around a 12-kilo bag of potatoes every day mm. that has no um tone at yeah, uh, yeah like a mm. almost like core core strength yeah so um it's pretty it's pretty devastating after that first visit to the emergency room what what did the doctors oh obviously the neurologist what what did they say to you in terms of how to go I guess look for, after her yeah look go after forward, her yeah uh not not a lot, to oh, be honest. Oh. Um, I have to say my experience with it has been pretty poor. They gave us these photocopied, printed A4 pieces of paper on, and I still have them, and I looked over them the other day and I just thought, how is this Helpful. supportive for yeah. parents who are in crisis? They are, you know, going through trauma and they are panicked to the hilt. I don't even remember them giving it to me. Mm. I... I don't remember a lot of what they said. I was obviously so concerned Mm. about Luella. Um, But what they did really drill in was that, you know, she might never walk, might never talk, um, never feed herself, never toilet herself. Um, Yeah, so they they painted a a pretty grim picture and, you know, they kind of have to because anything north of that is a bonus Mm. Um, and at least that way they're giving you worst-case scenario. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't feel overly comforted by a lot of um, the information we were given at the time. They use a lot of medical terminology, and it's very confusing for a parent who has never, or a person mm. who has Who's never. Not, yeah, of course. You know, he says things to us like epileptic encephalopathy. I uh, mean, yeah, <laughs> it's a whole other language. Yeah. Yeah, which, and, yeah, you don't understand, of course. And, you know, obviously you now, you know, have educated yourself, I'm sure, because you've yeah. had to. But in the beginning, yes, when you're a new parent, anything that's medical is completely left field unless you're obviously a neurologist <laughs> yourself. Complete foreign territory. I mean, it's uncharted. You, you've never stepped foot there, yet they expect that you should completely understand the gravity of your situation, you know, there's a lot of denial running through your head because mm. you think to yourself, this can't be happening. Yeah. They're wrong. They're yeah. wrong. This, yeah. You know, and but you're looking at your child and, you know, I'm looking at Luella going, there is obviously something not right, but you just human nature I think is denial is, you know, part of that grief process. That's one of the first steps because mm. you can't believe that this is happening to you. Yeah. And it, I mean, it is one of those things that you wouldn't, you you don't wish upon anyone. And so when it happens to you, you just there's really not much. I think your your body just or and your and your mind kind of say this isn't this isn't happening to me. And so realistically, any any medical terms they were probably throwing at you at the time was not not worth it. Nor it is handing you an A4 page. No, nor is it handing you an A4 page. That doesn't seem helpful at all. Not at all. Um, I mean, they do send in um, support. Uh, sorry, social workers. Who, if I'm being, and I always try to be completely transparent, I found really useless. Mm. Um, 
you know, we should have been informed about a lot of things through that social worker in hospital, um, specifically, for example, about NDIS, so that we could apply to... I didn't even realise that epilepsy was a disability. I didn't know what NDIS was. Mm. I didn't know how to apply. I didn't know that she qualified. So we actually didn't have all of that information for three months after her diagnosis when that should have been given at the very beginning. Yes, yes. Not not necessarily you having to do the research research, on that. Absolutely. (sighs) I mean, wasn't there enough for the mum to cope with? Without, I mean, Erin has been advocating to to the hospital um, last year when this all happened with, you know, the non-supply and non-freedom of information given about steps to take. Erin said to them, "Why, why haven't you got some sort of folder that you can give parents in this situation when they're just discharged to say, look, I know it's been overwhelming for you. You probably haven't absorbed everything that we've talked about in hospital. These are the the plans going forward that this is what we talked about. This is what we talked about if you've forgotten. This is what you can apply for with the NDIS. Yeah. This is what what help. Yeah, that's right. I mean really they should, you know absolutely they they should be offering you the helping hand or where to find that helping hand because realistically you go home and it's you know you're looking around yeah, going what now pieces and and that's really you know look in a perfect world you would have someone come and look after you to a degree in home to see if you were okay and mm. check in on you and i mean you're literally just sent packing and told to figure it out and you have to of course but the way it's done i i just it's really challenging, you know. It's a very undernourished system, the hospital system. Um, there's thousands of people like us and Luella, and very limited doctors, especially in neurology. Mm, that's it's, the thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's, you know, they are spread very thin, and I definitely acknowledge that um, it would be incredibly hard because you're also they're also taking on the emotions of parents as well. But it kind of comes with the territory. It's an of awful course. situation to be in. Um, yeah, so it's it, our our hospital experience as a whole has been pretty negative, to be honest. Mm, I'm so sorry, and that's yeah. even worse because you really look to the hospital and doctors as you know they don't have always all the answers, but that's where you look in the beginning through the process. Yes, mm. has been absent. Mm. Totally. Gosh. So, Erin, what is a typical? I mean semi-typical day like for you and Luella? Because I can see obviously on Instagram you're doing a lot of napper sessions and it's amazing how open you've been with that. So when obviously did you start that because she was obviously only 11 weeks old when she was diagnosed? Yeah, so we we do NAPA. So for those that don't know, it's a neurological rehabilitation centre for children. Um, It was brought out from America. Um, They have um, centres in Boston, LA, Sydney, and they're just about to open in New York. Uh, sorry, sorry, Melbourne, pardon me, pardon me, Melbourne. Um, and um, we started Napa in uh, September of last year, so not even 12 months in yet. 
Um, so a typical day for us, uh, we go to Napa twice a week. Uh, she does four hours a week of Napa um, and it is intensive therapy. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I say therapy, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried the mainstream way through hospitals and your regular paediatric um, uh, physio. And we were getting nowhere, nowhere. absolutely yeah. nowhere. Um, you know, she wasn't any further developing. Um, part of that obviously is from the infantile spasms um, and it having such an awful effect on her brain. But um, it's night and day as far as mainstream therapy versus NAPA. Um, you know, she's started to sit independently. Um, you know, she's not crawling yet, but we're, we're getting there. She's taking assisted steps. Um, that, you know, we've made more progress since September last year than we did in the first six months. So uh, I actually found out about NAPA from other um, special needs mums off Instagram. Oh, wow. And everyone Goodness. said, you have to get to NAPA, you have to get to NAPA. And all I thought about was the wine region in America. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that uh, uh, there would be a lot of mums that would make that leap pretty quickly to um, wine yeah. country. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. So um, as soon as I looked into it, um, uh, you know, COVID for us has been actually a blessing because people travel all over the world to get into um, what's called intensive programs at NAPA where you go to um, therapy and do a range of different therapies. Um, a lot of them are very different to what you would think is kind of standard. Mm. So they do a lot of your physio, OT, um, but they do something called CME, DMI, um, which is really about um, patterning in the brain and getting the child to initiate um, certain movements themselves. Uh, But, yeah, basically COVID has been a blessing because a lot of these people couldn't travel and it opened up a lot of space. So we've been very fortunate in that sense and I feel very grateful that we've had the opportunities with NAPA. Obviously, you know, the flip side of that is a lot of families are missing out and I I know how awful that would feel in these COVID times, not being able to access those therapies for your child. It would be devastating. Mm. And, Wendy, what, what was it like for you looking after Luella for the first time? For the first time um, when she was diagnosed, um, it was it was okay because um, I'm, I'm from one of seven children, so I had a lot of exposure. I was one of I was the second eldest, and my mum had you know lots of them after me, so we were always a helper at home. So my exposure to, to infants was mm. quite lengthy. Yes, I and then having my own children and then my grandchildren, the exposure to them, it was it was okay. It was I was very anxious about the. Um, the medication mm. routine and making sure that I wasn't overdosing her. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was it was challenging, but at the same time, I thought I coached okay at the time. Mm. But whether I really did, that's subjective to, I don't know. We just, we, we worked through it and it was anxious. Mm. Um, and Luella was not too bad, if I remember correctly, you know, that, but she's, Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. And when it when I say it's not good, it's not like she's a fortunately she's not a real screamer and she's yeah. not a handful. And um she just is awake mm. and not terribly unhappy being awake. Mm. <laughs> and it's it's okay, you know, and because I don't sleep anyway, I, I don't feel the, the detriment and the yeah. exhaustion. Mm. Mm. 
mm. um, because I'm quite used to not sleeping. Yes. So it's it's we just manage. Erin, do do you have a break? I mean, do you get a break or or? Um, I guess not. Kind of, um, you know, every set mm. day a week type of thing. Um, Mum and Dad take Luella um, a fair bit for me if I have to do some running around or. You know, I'll come over like every day <laughs> and be like, we're here for a swing. <laughs> and, you know, they might say, oh, look, why don't you just leave her for the afternoon? And But it's really tough because um, I, I, I am actually starting to think about daycare to some capacity for Luella so that she has some more exposure to children. Yes. That way it gives me a whole day break because even though there's, and I'm very grateful, um, you know, mum and dad take Luella. We've just started um, every Saturday night once a fortnight. So every fortnight they take Luella on a Saturday night and if I have to run around through the week, they'll take her, you know, for a good handful of hours or so. And, you know, I would I would literally have had a nervous breakdown if I haven't already without them. Yes. Uh, so I'm very grateful that they're here and they offer the support that they do. But... Yeah, I don't. I didn't get a lot of me time, um, and I think in the back of my mind, I'm always feeling like I should. Whoever has her, just relieve them of yeah. yes, yes, because it's a burden. And I know she is not a burden. There's a very big difference. Her disability is a burden. Yeah. She is not love her more mm. than life itself. Yeah, and I save my life to give her a better one. Mm. Um, Epilepsy and her disability, absolutely, it's it 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 weighs in extremely heavy. Um, so yeah, I, I don't get extended breaks, but on the weekends, obviously Dave is there, and yeah. and it's great because he gets a bit more one on one time with her. Um, but I am reluctant to leave her for long periods of time with people she doesn't know. Oh, I don't blame. I mean, I don't blame you as a new mum in general. You're nervous about leaving your child in someone's care, and That's then right. with the added sort of angst of medication, making sure you obviously know her so well because you spend so much time with her, same with your parents, and yeah. it's like an extension of you. So anybody else, it, it's almost harder to pass that on to somebody and give it yourself really the break. They need to spend quality time with her for an amount of time before I'd be comfortable leaving yes. her. It's not, yeah, they need to be able to read her and very well in order to leave her. So it does make it really challenging on how I might go about getting a bit more of a break. Um, NDIS does offer certain supports. Um, We're exploring that, but, I mean, you haven't had the best experience, obviously, in the past. Yeah, NDIS is hard and it's it's really tough to navigate. They don't make it easy. Um, It should be something that is made really clear to mums and dads when they first enter this whole new world but it, it really is um a minefield thank you so much for listening to this week's episode if you have a mother and daughter story that you would like to share send us a dm on instagram at mothers and daughters pod if you loved this episode please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss a new episode spread the love and share the podcast with your mum or sister or friend don't forget to rate and review the podcast See you next week and don't forget to call your mum.